Hey there, I'm Terry Johnson, founder of Keeping It Personal and the Refined Community. You are listening to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast with John Hewlin. Life is all about relationships and great leaders heavily invest in those relationships. On the Relationships and Revenue Podcast, we talk about how to improve our most significant relationships at home so we can be better in our business relationships. We talk with experts from all over the world representing many disciplines about the best tips and strategies to become amazing people and amazing leaders. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. This is your host, John Hewlin. As always, thrilled and honored to have each and every one of you with us today. And as you heard from the introduction, I have Terry Johnson with me today. Terry, how are you? I'm great. So excited to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to have you as well. Now, folks, you heard Terry talk about the things that she has done in the intro, but let me go a little bit deeper for you. Now, Terry is a business coach. She specifically works with women, women entrepreneurs. She is obviously herself an entrepreneur, a keynote speaker, mastermind facilitator, and author of the book. And I want to be, for those of you who can see this, I'm going to show the book right here. It's called Overcoming the Nevers by Gardening Your Life and Nurturing Seeds of Truth. It's a fantastic book, by the way. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. And mm -hmm. I have some really cool news about the book, but you got to get all the way through the podcast to get to it. So I'm kind of teasing okay. you to make sure you guys are going to listen <laughs> all the way to the end. All right. Awesome. So Terry, do us a favor. Take us back. We want to hear more of your backstory. You didn't just wake up two weeks ago and decide, hey, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to become a coach. I'm going to become a keynote speaker. How did all this start for you and how did you end up where you are today? Yeah, it's so interesting because if you would have told me back in 2009, um, like if I like looking ahead, like I'd be where I am today, I would have said like, you've got the wrong girl, right? So what happened in 2009 was I hit a rock bottom in my life and I had gotten to a place that I never thought I would get. And um, and from that rock bottom experience, I made two decisions. Um, I made the first decision was I was going to wake up every morning and say yes to God. Because clearly his plans for me are for good. And my plans for me weren't turning out so hot because I hit this rock bottom. And I'm like, um, there's a better way out there. And so I decided that was going to do that. And then the other thing, the other decision that I made was that no matter what, I didn't care who it was or what it was for on a platform like this or anywhere, just hooking up with somebody or like in, or meeting somebody in the grocery store or whatever, that I would never shy away from just sharing my story and being really authentic about my journey and where I've been. And um, it's taken me some time to get to the confidence that I have and having no shame about the things that I've experienced in my life. But I'm so glad that I'm beyond it and can use that to help other people. And so I just wanted to help other people. So that's what happened. And and so um, I had actually admitted myself into treatment for alcohol um, back in 2009. That was my rock bottom day experience. Mm -hmm. yeah. And and then to, uh, fast forward 28 days later, I was out. And when I was in is when I made those two decisions. And um, in November of 2009, so 
a couple months after that is when I started my company, Keeping It Personal. So I started out just with a deep desire to help other people. And fast forward, it has just transformed into, um, you know, helping women, business owners, entrepreneurs, and sales professionals grow and scale their business. And prior to my rock bottom experience, I had built other successful companies. Um, I was in um, sales and marketing and operations. So I had a lot of experience in that. I just hadn't gone out on my own to create something where I was helping other people do the same thing. So that's where I'm at. You know, it's interesting, Terry. You know, the more I talk to people, especially folks that I have on the show, when I hear the backstory, now they're not all exactly the same, but what I'm discovering is that the people who are doing something meaningful, who are making a difference in life, every single one has that painful moment Yeah, that they had to work through yeah and not soothe it over not pretend like it wasn't there but had to actually put in the hard work do the things that needed to be done in order to get from the pain to the purpose and yeah. once the purpose Good. was discovered that led to platform yeah hey i love that yeah that is pain such purpose a great... platform yeah i love that so true and I mean, I guess that's why I was saying, like you would have, <laughs> looking back, I mean, if you would have said, hey, I'd be doing this today, I would have said, no, you've got the wrong girl. Like I said earlier, because I would have never been able to see this point of where I'm at right now based on where I had been and just mm -hmm. the things that I had, I had experienced in my life. So, yeah. Sure, sure. I get that. Mm -hmm. And that's where the book came from. Just a long list of nevers. Okay. And so that's, yeah, overcoming the nevers is basically when I was talking with people about my experience, because I never set out to write a book. And so, um, but as I was on this road of recovery and just trying to figure life out, I'm not perfect. I'll never be perfect. I trip up, mess up, fail all the time. Um, but on this journey of overcoming, they're like, gosh, it seems like you are overcoming nevers, like things that you've never thought you'd experience. You got to write a book mm -hmm. about that. And people just started seeding that into me. And I'm like, well, maybe I should. And so I just sat down one day and I've just started to write an outline. I'm like, I think I've got some things to share here. And mm -hmm. then fast forward a couple of years, I ended up writing it. And yeah, so that's where that uh, came from. Okay. So let's dig a little deeper into the book. Um, now, you've shared a little bit of the, the why behind the book, but who would you say, who were you thinking of when you wrote that book? Yeah. It's so interesting that you asked this because <clears throat> my purpose for writing it is if it could touch and help transform or impact the life of just one person, it would have been mm -hmm. worth it for me. Yeah. And during the editing process is where I got that <clears throat> confirmation that it did. My editor, she's like, oh my gosh, like this book by editing this book has really, really helped me. Wow. And it was the, it was the editor who worked for my publisher at the time. Um, I had two, I had an outside person editing and, and then this, this one that worked for, and I was just like, okay, this is good. I'm, I'm happy. So, um, honestly, the tools that I share in the toolbox are for anybody who has lingering after effects of shame, guilt, resentment, anger, unforgiveness, regrets. Mm -hmm. If you're carrying around any of those things, I would say this could be a really good tool for you to open up. It's it's not an easy read, actually. I've heard no, it's not. people say, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, just because it does, it prompts you or challenges you on and just digging deep and, and figuring it out. But the best way to it is through it. Like you said yes. earlier, like a lot of us have gone through things. And so I'm like, hey, this is 
what I needed to do. And I know that if somebody else can implement these tools, they can get on the other side of it too. And with, for me, (laughs) I'm still using them. I still struggle. I mean, I'm struggling. I'm human. I feel like if you're breathing, you have issues, then you're going to struggle for forever, right? I mean, (laughs) we're never going to arrive at a place where we're free from the struggle or pain in our lives. And so um, the more um, that we live and experience, I think we get better at picking up the tools that we've learned, but Mm -hmm. we still trip up and we still we still have hurts and people hurt us or we experience things that we never I since writing the book, I probably there's probably 20 things I could tell you mm-hmm. that I've experienced since then that I never thought I would have experienced. Yeah. Um, and I'm not talking about the things that you want to put on your resume, like that you want everyone to know about <laughs> talking right. about the things that you want to hide behind your back mm-hmm. and be like, ooh. If this person really knew this about me or my life or where I've been or what I've done or some of the decisions I've made, would they accept me? Yeah. Would they would they like me? Would they want to be around me? And so, um, yeah, I mean, so anybody who's thinking, having those question marks swimming around in their brain, I think we get great value from it. So. Gotcha. Okay. You know, um, many of the people that I have met, and it's interesting, when you start writing a book, it's like. Almost everybody you meet is either in the process of writing or has written a book, at least one. It just seems like that happened. And, you know, one of the, I guess I would call it a, uh, a common denominator that, that many of the folks have. Now, they don't all use this phrasing, but this is kind of what they mean. I think you're saying something similar. And that is when someone writes a book similar to the type of book that you've written about something you've gone through, um, wanting to help other people the person that you have in mind, for instance, the book I'm writing, the person I have in mind is my formerly stuck self. Mm-hmm. That's who I'm writing. To. Right. Because it makes it easier because I know that guy. I know him very yeah. well. I wish sure. I didn't, but I do. Yeah, right. I know. <laughs> so that's that's something that has helped me in my writing process is, is trying to think of that person rather than, you know, this this huge conglomerate of people to write to because it that makes it very overwhelming for me. If I right. think about it that way, but if I'm thinking about one person, oh, well, then it's just kind of like a letter. Right. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people tell me. They're like, Terry, I feel like I'm sitting down and having coffee with you as I read through the book. And that's oh. really what I want. And I wanted to come with just full of grace, full of hope for mm-hmm. people, because again, I needed that too. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I needed to pick up the tools. And so I know other people will too, but it had to come with just like that grace and hope perspective because when we experience things that we never thought we had experienced there's like hurt and pain and mm-hmm. and all those lingering after effects and so um we have to you know navigate through that and sometimes try a little bit lightly mm-hmm. on that journey so sure mm-hmm. and so you are how far in your sobriety journey so i hit my rock bottom in 2009 okay and so, but full transparency, I would say that as I, the further I've gotten away from it and just being healed and restored and different things like that, mm-hmm. um, I am not abstinent from alcohol in my oh, life, okay. um, I, like 100%. So, um, but every, but that's why everyone's journey is their own unique journey, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so for five years, I abstained, didn't do anything, didn't pick up anything. And over the years, I've been able to periodically, you know, have a glass of wine or something like that. So 
Um, and I think that there's like, there's that community out there where it's either you're, you are, or you're aren't. And for me, I just think it's an individual journey that everybody okay. is on their own. So yeah. Sure. So if you want to call it that, I, I don't call, I don't celebrate a certain day or anything. Okay. I just, I wake up every morning and like I said, say yes to God and just ask him to lead and guide me in everything that I do. So. Perfect. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Let's talk a little bit more about um, the role that, well, let me back up a little bit. So you wrote the book and your desire, not only with the book, but with your business is to help other people, but specifically women. Yes. Okay. First of all, why choose to just help women and how do you go about doing that? Yeah. So the reason why is because, well, first of all, I don't need a ton of clients to be successful. I get them. I get, I know their struggle. I know their pain. I know the burdens that they carry. I know all the different hats that they wear. I can relate to the struggle in like in every way. And so I, I know that's who I can serve really, really well. I have worked with men in the past and I just feel like I'm just better suited for just loving on women and just meeting them right where they're at. Um, we do take a holistic approach in our business. So we have clients that come to us that are taking it an idea. They want to launch it, right? That's mm-hmm. one level. We have some that are like, hey, I've been doing this for a few years. Maybe I'm sub six figures. I want to get over that six figure mark. Great. We can help you with that. Then we have people that come to us like, I've been doing this. I'm a sole entrepreneur. I'm growing and scaling. I'm at two, 300,000. I want to get to... 800,000, 900,000, the seven figure mark or something. And like, Mm -hmm. okay, we can help you with that. So we have three different ways that we work with our clients, but we don't, like I said, we take that holistic approach. So um, when they come to us, if they're having a bad day and they're struggling with conversations with their spouse or their children, we talk about it. So Mm -hmm. it's not strictly business because that is the one thing I understand. I wake up today, I can be super empowered to like, make forward progress in my business. I've got plans. I've got goals. I know what I've got going on, all the things. And then I have this really awful experience with my child or a fight with my spouse. And I show up on a call and I'm like, I'm empty. I don't know what to do. I feel like I just got the wind knocked out of my sail. And we're here for that too. And so we help women navigate the personal and the professional journey of entrepreneurship and being a business owner as well as the spiritual journey, because we take, you know, it's built on our faith and we lead with that. We actually mm-hmm. lead with that. And so um, I, I don't believe we can keep it separate. I'm the same woman that wakes up, puts my pants on and I go to work or, you know, I work my business. I am a mom. I'm a wife. You know, I'm a believer, all the things. And so I just I don't know how to separate them. And so mm-hmm. that's probably what sets us apart from maybe some other programs or coaching agencies or whatever out there is like, we just, we embrace all of it for women. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So do you ever get any pushback on the uh, faith side of things when it comes to the business? Um, No, we're super transparent about it. I mean, every single week when we host our virtual gatherings, I talk about our core values and we have a faith statement. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we read it every single week. It only takes a couple minutes so that everybody knows like, Hey, this is what we stand firm upon, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, we always 
preface it and say, we accept anybody from any walk of life, but we never want to make it a secret what it is that we stand firm upon. And so um, then I share our statement of faith. And um, and no, I don't. I mean, we've had people that have that have joined us from that are different sects of faith, like different religions or different things. We've had people that join us that they are not believers, but they still feel safe with us mm-hmm. because of our approach and our just how we just show up and love on our clients. Yeah. And so I don't believe, um, you know, I haven't had any pushback. So, OK, that's yeah. interesting because because uh, mm-hmm. I have over the years. Have you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you think oh, it's yeah. do you think it's maybe um, do you lead with it? No, I don't. I don't lead with it. I, I don't hide it either. Right. So I, but like we lead with it. We, mm-hmm. we we lead. It's in our it's on our website. It's it's like on our core values page. And so I think like it's not like a backdoor thing. Right. It's like, right. Like, hey. Oh, yeah. it's I don't have it as a backdoor sort of thing for me. Well, here's a little bit of the backstory to that. Uh, I have a background in ministry. I've okay. been in ministry since 1989. And if I use that term when I'm talking business, if that term comes up immediately, I'm put inside of a box. Whatever preconceived notions somebody has mm. of someone who's been in ministry, is a minister, pastor, whatever. And yeah. I can't break out of it. I can't. So I don't lead with that. Mm-hmm. I want them to get to know me first. Sure. And as they get to know me, those are things I introduce later. Right. Um, so that's one of the reasons. So it's the, it's yeah. a, a hurdle I don't want to have to try to overcome unless I have to overcome it, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, makes sense. Um, you know, it's interesting, the approach that you take. Uh, I'm leaving the faith side of it out of it. I know it's a part of it, but just I'm, we're taking it. We're setting it aside for just now. Yeah. I can't begin to tell you the number of friends that I have that are business coaches who absolutely refuse to deal with life coaching. They will mm-hmm. not deal with that when it comes to their clients. And I, and I have said it till I'm red in the face and it makes no difference on them at all. It's like, I just, they just say unequivocally, I don't want to deal with that. That is too much. I'm not here for that. I'm here for the business side. I'm like, really? Okay. So are your clients robots? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. I mean, I ask them questions like that. I said, because if they're robots, then they can turn off that switch and not have to think about what goes on at home. I said, but sure. for the rest of us, everything we do is impacted by our most significant relationships at home. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. And we take it with us. In fact, I've been able to get some high-level HR people in some very big corporations to admit, now, off the record, of course, but admit that they spend billions of dollars a year on wasted productivity, which means they're paying for people to not be at work who pretend to be sick when they're not because they don't have the skills in life to deal with stuff that's going on at home. Yeah, it's like, why can't we be more proactive? It's like, look, let's do what we can to help people get better at the skills of having those kinds of deep, intimate, personal relationships and what do you do when the tough stuff comes up? How do we work through those things so that right. when I'm at work, I can actually not only do work, but be productive while I'm there? Right. Yeah. It, yeah. And so true. Like we might have a client who we hop on a call with or something like that. And you can just see. And of, of course, with Zoom, you can see people. Right. Yeah. And you can see it in their face if they're struggling oh, yeah. and be like, OK, we're hey, 
really quick, what's going on with you? Mm-hmm. Before we dive into this, let's do this first. Yeah. And then let's dive in because we got to be able to have a great conversation. We got let, I want to be productive. There are like, I can, one client in particular just recently has gone through a lot of things and mm-hmm. she recently moved. So she's in transition, some oh, relationship wow. transitions, moving transitions, just a lot. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so she, she hops on a call and it's like work. And then like, wait a second, stop. <laughs> how, no. how are you? Well, she's scatterbrained. She can't even focus on what she thinks she needs to be focused on for business. I said, let's just give yourself permission for the next three days. I think this was like a Tuesday. I mm-hmm. said, so Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, go get settled. You're, you are living out of boxes right now. What if you just yeah. gave yourself permission to nestle, get unpacked, set your home up, get your whatever, and come back next week? Let's just pretend this call is rescheduled for next week. Like, I know you wanted to be here right now. Don't worry, we've got you. So go yeah. do that for you. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so we put so much pressure on ourselves. And that's why I said, like for women, I get it. There's 50 hats that we're wearing. Oh, and yeah. guys have an easier time, car, you know, putting them in compartments. And we don't, you know? Yeah. And so um, that's why I love just one other reason, just because I get the women, I get it. And so anyway, that's just an example of like, no, we're not working today. You yeah. can't work today. You're not going to produce anything great. Stressed work is not your best work. So guess what? Go do you right Mm -hmm. now and let's regroup next week. Okay, what do you do? And then what are your next three steps that you need to take? That's it. That's all that matters. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I get that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny that you said that about men and the tendency to compartmentalization. You know, it's not all it's cracked up to be. I'll tell you you that. Um, Mm -hmm. It actually, compartmentalization makes meaningful relationships very difficult for men yeah because they don't know how to let go and to truly be who they are especially in front of other men yeah because they think they have to be a certain type of person around all these other men otherwise i'm somehow less of a man or less of a person or however you want to say it rather than just being yeah you know this this whole notion that that somehow the the realm of feelings and emotions is strictly a female domain is garbage. You know, I'd, I'll tell you that I, I truly believe this. The most intensely emotional and passionate people I've ever met have been men, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say that I think that's because men, again, in general, have an ability. It's kind of related to the compartmentalization. We don't switch tasks very well. right? And so whatever we're doing, we're in it. We're on the thing. Yeah. And then, so we're intense and then we can't really do another thing until we finish that one. Then we move on to the next one and we're all in and we're into that thing. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's part of it, not all of it necessarily. And again, you probably just thought of three examples in your head of guys who aren't like that. So it's it's just in general. I know everyone's, we're so unique. And I love that about people that we all just have our own ways, right? So yeah, it's good. What's the best advice you ever received, personal or professional? So the the thing I'm I'm gonna just bring I'm gonna go back to my wear my mom hat right now Good. because it's what it's one of my most difficult hats that I wear. Mm-hmm. Um, being a mom, I mean, there's no handbook, and I've got two <laughs> nuggets, and they're right. totally different. You think mm-hmm. they'd be very similar, and they're opposite. Um, and I've shared this um in other interviews and stuff like that too, but. There was a woman, and I, I wish I could remember her name, but back when I was young mom and just trying to figure it out, 
And she said to me, she goes, Terry, prepare your kid for the path, not the path for your kid. Mm. So as a protector and wanting to like go before them and pave uh-huh. this path for them so they don't get hurt or whatever. Yeah. Like she's like, don't, you're going to be tempted to do that. Prepare your child for the path and don't go and prepare the path for your kid. And it was like the best thing that I could have ever heard. And it has really made me rethink because I, every ounce in my body wants to go and like, okay, I'll go make that phone call quick before they talk to him and make sure everything's figured out. Or I'll go do that. And I'll talk to this person and this person. And then when they get there, it'll be fine. You know what I mean? But I want to prepare them to have <clears throat> the tough conversations, prepare them to be equipped to make those decisions when they may not know what to do. I'm not around to ask. Nobody else of influence is around to ask where they need to make that decision. Okay, so I would say the best piece of advice I ever got has to do with wearing my mom hat because that's one of a very significant role in my life and one that I have found to be difficult for me, honestly. Um, And a woman told me when I was in the thick of it, young, young, young kids, she said, Terry, focus on preparing your child for the path, not the path for your child. And it's never left me. And I, every bone in my body at times wants to go before my child and pave that path. Make sure the conversations are going to be okay. Make sure that they don't get hurt over here, all the things. But I am, I've learned that, okay, how can I equip them at home so that when I'm not around, when there's nobody there to lead them and guide them, they have that firm foundation to stand upon. And I still, I still need to take that advice. And my kids are in their twenties now. So it's not, um, I'll never forget it. And I've, I've shared it with so many other moms, young moms, because it was so impactful for me. And that is um, the best piece of advice I, I got. So. Mm, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. You know, the, the approach that I have taken with my kids as, the, as they have gotten older, I kind of view my role as their dad, uh, not as much hands-on now. I view myself more as a guide now. Yeah. That, that's really kind of my role uh, yeah. where I offer things and if they do it, okay. And if they don't, well, all right. <laughs> you know, it, eventually my, my mom reassures me. She keeps telling me that, uh, that my oldest, um, about the time he turns 25, it's like, you're going to get smart again. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'll get smarter at that point. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, totally. Yeah. That's I all get right. that. Yep. And it's just, again, it's just, they're all different and, and they're all going to, they have to go through and do hard things and make their own choices and learn from their consequences. Just like I did. I have to always remember that. I'm like, Oh, "Oh, I made really poor choices too. Remember I hit my rock bottom. Obviously I made a whole bunch of them. So (laughs) like, I got to let them do that too. It's just painful as a parent knowing like, okay, that's not the wisest decision, but you do you. I'm still going to be here. But. Yeah, yeah, that is that is very tough uh, to watch them. But I, it makes me think of it, every time I think about if I intervene in this, am I really helping or not? I, yeah. I think of the uh, the caterpillar that turns into the butterfly because I, I heard a story from a friend of mine. His uh, his son, they were doing an experiment at school, science experiment, and they were they were watching, you know, caterpillars turn into butterflies. And his son got impatient and went to the cocoon and he cut it open. And what he saw inside, I mean, it freaked him out because it was this shriveled up 
gross looking thing where it's yeah like the exoskeleton of wings but there was nothing there and it was he said there was no color to it it was just he said it was, it was a gross blob is all it was yeah and i mean of course it was a perfect teaching moment for him it's like look sure. the caterpillar has to struggle in the cocoon in order to become the butterfly that can actually fly away if it yeah. doesn't struggle this is what happens that thing isn't gonna live let alone fly right so good yeah that's what it makes me think. So mm -hmm. I, I try to keep that at the forefront of my mind when I'm tempted to jump in. Yeah. Yeah. What's the best part of your job? Wow. I love to see wins. Mm -hmm. I love it when I see my clients winning or feeling like successful or having those aha moments or gaining confidence or launching something new, doing things afraid. Um, that, yeah, that lights me up, keeps me going, actually. Mm -hmm. So. All right. Now there's the other side of that coin. Mm -hmm. What's the worst part of your job? Um, marketing. Okay. Getting out there. Just, I don't, I, if I could just, you know, have a revolving door of people who I could serve without having to try and find them, He's that would be awesome. But obviously, you know, that, that says, and, and honestly with, with the way that things are now and with social media and stuff, I, I don't like it. And so I've had to, it's been a struggle. If I didn't have to be on social media for anything, I wouldn't. I don't, I don't want to roll that way. I started, like I said, my business in 2009. And prior to that, I had successful businesses that I never even, I mean, social media wasn't even a thing. Right. So I know how to build a business without it. And I've done a really good job doing a, a mixture of both, mm -hmm. which I'm grateful for. Um, but yeah, so I would say social media, marketing, I don't love it. I mean, I love it. I've fallen in love with it because I have to. Okay. But I don't love, I don't love it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Uh, I, I struggled with that for a while when I was in business for myself. And then um, I learned some things that I found very helpful. Uh, I learned what selling really is and I learned yeah. what marketing really is. Selling is serving. Yeah. That is yep. all it is. And if you yep. are serving your people, they never feel sold to ever. Right. They don't. Absolutely. I teach the Mar same thing. Mm -hmm. And marketing is just storytelling. That is all it is. Yep. Now, most businesses get it wrong, Terry. They tell the wrong story. That's right. the problem. Most of them try to tell their own story. People don't no. care about that. <laughs> no. They don't. Mm -hmm. No. The stories we need to be telling are the people we've helped. We need to tell yeah. their story. Because yeah. anybody who's looking to hire someone or some company for them, that means I've got a problem and you might be able to help me with it. Now, yeah. I still, I might have the skill set to do it, but I don't have the time. Right. That, that is possible. They may know how to do mm -hmm. it. They just don't have time to do it. Right. But that's really not even what's important. The bottom line is they want to know, can you help me? That's what I need to know. If, yep. if I think you can help me, then there's a chance that I'll hire you a chance. Yeah. And that's really all we get yeah. in business is we just, we get a chance. Right. I, one, the way that I look at it is very similar. Um, I, I talk about just harnessing the power of meaningful conversations. So whether it's through social, whether it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation, whether it's sitting at a little league game with mm -hmm. somebody, it doesn't matter because you never know what's on the other side of that conversation. And if we can show up, to be problem solvers 
and just serve people. We It might not even be a client that we get, but it could be, we could refer them to somebody and bless their socks off. Mm. Awesome. Everyone's winning. Like we were able to be a blessing to somebody. Somebody else got maybe a solution to their problem and we all walk away. It's great. So I think there's this mentality of people who are trying to sell, quote unquote, is they think like every single person they talk to needs to be their client <laughs> or potentially give them something right. or, you know, where they get something in return, like something. And, and I just take the opposite approach. And that's why I guess I love meaningful conversations. And so we, in our company, it's called keeping it personal for a reason. Mm-hmm. We're always trying to keep it personal. So we are always getting on the phone with people. Mm. And it does, it's, we kick, we kick it old school. Like, yes, we have new strategies of social and marketing and all of the things that we do. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, we are inviting people in to have a meaningful conversation. Mm-hmm. And our one, one of our core values is we serve, we lead, we love. We desire to bless the socks off of every person we have the opportunity to connect with, whether we work together or not, and so generously into the lives of others. That's our first core value. And nice. so that is how we want everyone to feel as a result of connecting with us. So whether it's on social or a phone call or through our email marketing, you know, automation, whatever, right. we don't, we always want them to, we want to serve and lead and love. And so that's the approach that we take. So we have a mixture of active and passive marketing. Mm-hmm. And that's how, that's what we teach. And um, that's how we grow, have grown and scaled our business. And, and I think like, I love this Zig Ziglar quote, quote, if you help enough people get what they want, you're going to get what they want. And that's where the approach to serving comes in. Yeah, sure. Sure. Absolutely. I love that. You know, one of the things that I have done over the years that I have found the most effective, and some people refer to it as marketing, to me is just, just common sense. And that is when I send things to people, it's always in my handwriting, always in my handwriting. Not send out cards where you can have your signature yeah. printed on something. No, it's my actual handwriting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. I gave a, uh, I gave a gift to someone uh, in the, in the church world, kind of fairly well-known. And I was shocked that I got a note back from him. In, I mean, he wrote it. It was clear. He wrote it. Sure. Yeah. And so I, I was quite surprised to receive that. Yeah. But it's very mean. I mean, I still have it. I did. It's, it's on a bookshelf. I know right where it is. So yeah. it was it was meaningful to me. And I think it is to most people because unfortunately, it's kind of a lost art form now. Absolutely. And we teach it all the time, just dropping handwritten notes in the mail. And it's if you got people's addresses, I mean, unfortunately, we don't get them. And then we have to ask for them. And then people are like, yeah. oh, they're going to send me something. You know what I mean? So it's just kind of like you can't <laughs> surprise anybody anymore because yeah. most people we don't have their addresses for. So with clients, we get their addresses. We love just to drop little things in the mail from time to time. So mm-hmm. yeah, totally get that. For sure. Well, we talk a lot on this podcast about relationships, obviously, given the name of the show. And so I want to know, what are you doing right now to build into your most significant relationships at home? And what impact do those relationships have on your business? Yeah. So it's interesting. I just recorded a podcast for my podcast yesterday on this, and it's the power of being present. Like, why is that important? Why is it so difficult? And that's what I'm trying to do. Um, I'm trying to be very intentional. I choose a one word for the year and it's um, it's flourish. And for me to, when I apply that to the relationships, 
um, in my life, if I want them to flourish, I need to nourish them. And for me to nourish them, I need to be present. (laughs) And admittedly, it's something that with just in our society with all the dings and notifications and all of the things, we have a hard, or I'm just going to say me, I sometimes I get distracted. I have a I take my phone out and set it right on the dinner table or on the table when I'm out with a group of people. Like, do I need that? Do I need to have it there? Can I just put it? Do I need to pay attention? And then I've got the Apple Watch. It's like, (laughs) that. you know, I'm like everywhere. It's like (laughs) we're we're getting the notifications. And and so that's what I'm trying to do. Um, Just be present with the people around me. And even on conversations where I can, like I use um, the Do Not Disturb on my phone. And then like I have it linked up to my computer. So like when I'm having an interview or something like this, I'm not looking. Oh, my gosh, a ding over here. I mean, because the little things like that, even if it's a notification that pops up and you see it, it triggers something inside of us like, oh, somebody's emailing me. Somebody needs me. And and I think that it does us a disservice because your time that you're giving me right now, I consider to be a true gift. I do. This conversation is a gift. But it is from everybody. This is the most valuable asset. If you think of it this way, that we can give anybody is our gift of time because we can't get it back. And so who am I to disrespect that? I mean, I, I've been thinking a lot about this lately because I feel disrespected. Like even a prime example, like in the car with my kids, I don't get much time in the car with my kids. And that's the one thing I miss about being the mom, the carpool mom, where I like pick them up from school, drop them off and they're graduated and doing their thing now. And it's like, I don't get much time. So when I get them in the car, I'm like, no phones, please, please. Because yeah, I want to have yeah. a conversation with you. I don't want exactly. you looking down. Right. And so right. when I'm in the passenger seat with other people, I want to give them that gift or I want, mm-hmm. I want to share that gift with them. Um, you know, and I, I realize it more as, as I'm getting older and people are passing, unfortunately, how I miss the stories that I hear, the wisdom that I hear from conversations that I've had from certain people that I've loved that are no longer with me. And I want to embrace that more. Yeah. So long answer to your very specific question. That's <laughs> kind of where I'm showing up and trying to be more present. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Who's investing in you right now? Um, Like, where am I going to get fed? Is that like of- who 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 do you go to 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 help feed you? either in your business life or in your personal yeah. life. Yeah. So I have a couple coaches. Your spouse is an with. easy cop-out, so you can't use your spouse. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I actually have, I'm very, very blessed to have a, a handful of amazing friends who um, sow into me, pray mm-hmm. for me, um, reach out to me, encourage me. Mm-hmm. I am very blessed by that. I also, every year I hire coaches in my business and I have several that um, I pay <laughs> to hold me accountable, to teach me things, to lead me and guide me and decisions. Um, and so I have that as well. Um, on a more uh, health and wellness journey, I am committed to that. I am going to be 50 next year. And I made a commitment to myself that I am not going to carry my extra pounds into my 50th year. And so a few months ago, I decided I'm only feeling my body with the things that are going to help me to flourish, right? Good for you. And um, yeah, and I've, I'm so excited as of right now of this recording. I'm, I've released 22 pounds. And so I have. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yep. You look fantastic. And, well, thank you. But here's the thing. It's interesting because even before I went on this little journey, 
it wasn't about like anybody noticing. Like people, I would say that people wouldn't have looked at me and like, oh, she probably needs to lose some weight. Like most people are like, why would you want to lose weight? Like, or whatever. But it doesn't matter. It was how I was feeling. Mm -hmm. I was feeling sluggish. Mm -hmm. I wasn't sleeping well. I, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I needed to find something that could work for me. Long story short, I've discovered what works for me. I'm super excited about it. And I am, and it's very simple for me to do. And so um, that's, that's who's nourishing me right now too. So I have a coach there as well. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. And so how are you investing in yourself beyond the coaches? Or would you say that's right. what you're doing? Yeah, I would say those are my biggest investments in me personally and professionally. And, you know, just having my quiet time, and you know, with the Lord in the morning and mm -hmm. um, the prayer time and getting into the word. I feel like that's something I need to, need for me to stay focused and to keep me grounded and mm -hmm. back to center. Gotcha. So what, what is your number one go-to daily habit? If you can't come up with one, I, can you give me a top three? No, I'm going to, I'm no, I'm going to tell you one. Okay. It's, it's, I always come up with my five things I'm grateful for and I okay. try not to repeat them mm. because in, yeah, I mean, we, there's so many curveballs, everything going around here. It's like, that is the one thing like every day when I wake up, my feet hit the floor. I'm like, all right, what are, what am I grateful for? Mm. So, um, those are my, I would say that's probably my, I just look for the good. I try to look for the good every single day. So no matter what's going on around me, I can find the good in all things. And so that's what I try to focus on and do every day. That's awesome. Now, what do you have coming up that has you excited? Well, super excited because I host these productivity retreats for women business owners, entrepreneurs, and sales professionals. And I've been doing them for about nine years now. Hmm. But with the pandemic, the last one that I was able to host was um, right before that. So it was 2020 in January. Hmm. It was in Indian Wells, California. It was absolutely amazing. And then obviously, you know what happened in right. our world. And so I wasn't able to host another one until now. So May 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th in Clearwater Beach, Florida, we will be bringing women together again. Um, it's an all-inclusive experience. It's um, white club is what I like to say. Wow. This is your workcation. You, all you have to do is get there, and then we've got you covered from the minute you arrive. And we just want to bless the sacks up with these women, and um, we help them grow and scale their businesses. And so, yes, we mm. have fun, and we, and we want to pamper them. And we want them to um, have an amazing experience, but we also get things done and um, they walk away just empowered and better equipped to take their next right steps in their business. So super excited about that. We still have spots available. Um, and so anybody who's listening who could, you know, potentially be interested in that, I would love to have a conversation to see if it would be a right fit. So well, we'll be sure to include that folks in the show notes. Oh, yeah, that would be awesome. For oh, sure. Definitely. We'll definitely include that in the show notes. Yeah. And once that one, just FYI, that link will always be active because if for some reason we sell out of this one, we're, we have another one coming up in the fall. So we're oh, going nice. to try and do them twice a year. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And how can people, you mentioned people could reach out and talk to you. What's the best way for folks to do that? Yeah. Just my website is keepingitpersonal.com. So super simple. There's a contact form on there. They can book a call. We yeah. love talking to people. Like I said, yeah. You know, just a power call to have a meaningful conversation and just get to know people to see how we might be able to be a resource for them or point them in the right direction. Absolutely. Yep. Folks, if you've made it this far, 
into the episode, I told you something was coming up related to Terry's book. And so, again, for those of you who are seeing this, here's the book right there. Again, it's Overcoming the Nevers. This is what I'm going to do for you guys. The first person who tags Terry and me on social media is going to get a signed copy of Terry's book on me. Awesome. I'll take care of all that. We'll just make sure Terry, either Terry gets it sent to the right person or she can send it to me and then I'll get it to you. Doesn't make any oh, difference. we'll drop it. We but can drop it in the mail. That's what we'll do. We'll get that to you. That's awesome. So that's Perfect. something that I like to do for folks because I'm an avid reader. Um, I actually have a habit, Terry, of when I buy books, I buy two copies. I have one for me and one that I give away. I love that. It's so good. Yeah. And um, on on Instagram, I'm Terry.Johnson and it's one R and an I, but you can put that link in the show notes too. So we will definitely be doing that. Trust me, there's going to be all kinds of fun links in the show notes as there always are. Okay, cool. <laughs> all right. Now we've come up to our final four time. And remember, there's okay. just four quick questions. You tell me the first thing that pops in your head. Are you ready? I'm nervous, but yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Well, I <laughs> promise you of the four, the first one's probably the hardest. Okay. So that's why I did it first. And here it is. Number one. Why did God create Terry? Wow, that is a very <laughs> loaded question. Oh, it is? To be the hands and feet of Jesus and to point people to him. Okay. Yeah. Question two, what are you doing, reading, or listening to right now that's helping you grow? Well, I just dove back into the Traction book series for my business just to get back to some of the basics. So Get a Grip, Traction, and Rocket Fuel. We use the EOS operating system in our business, and I just needed a refresh. So literally have been binging. And on my team, I have an integrator. So it's I'm the visionary, and we have an integrator. So between the two of us, we're revisiting all of the different tools and making sure that we are on track and implementing them properly for this year. Gotcha. Okay. What do you like to do for fun? It's so simple. It doesn't cost a dime. I love conversations and watching the sunset. Okay. Yeah. Going for walks, watching the sunset, like every opportunity I get, if I can, like last night's sunset was absolutely amazing. I'm in Southwest Florida. <laughs> so I'm right on the Gulf of Mexico in sunny Naples. And so we have the most amazing sunsets here and I gobble them up every day that mm -hmm. I can. I love doing that. And conversations mm -hmm. are my thing. I hope you take lots of pictures of those beautiful sunsets. I do. <laughs> yeah. Since you mentioned it before and it's your top daily habit, what are you most grateful for? Right now, I am most grateful for my children. Okay. Yeah. I they have taught me so much over the years and just even just this last week, I have been reflecting on that a little bit and I'm just I'm grateful for for the opportunity to be their mom, but also mm -hmm. just um what I've learned from them and how it's just made me a better person. Hmm. And it's, it's actually pointed out a lot of my flaws too, but that's how it's helped <laughs> me to be better. <laughs> oh yeah. Does that make I'm, sense? Oh yeah. yeah, it makes sense. Uh, we don't learn without failing. We don't. Exactly. So yeah. All right. That's if you're, if you're right okay now. with a couple of really quick bonus questions. Okay, cool. Let's do it. All right. What's the top book that you recommend to people? Wow. Other than the Bible, of course, because I like to sprinkle that into other people's um, lives. Um, if it's a business book, I love Entree Leadership with mm -hmm. um, Dave Ramsey. That would be okay. my, I have like between that and Traction and then off um, Profit First is a really good one for business. Those are my three 
recommended. Um, personal, I, um, I don't know. I, I don't really read a ton of more personal books and I haven't recently that were, there's one that stands out like I wouldn't recommend. So yeah. Sure. Now remind everybody again, the name of your podcast. It's the Keeping It Personal show. So if somebody just goes to keepingitpersonal.com, just on the, the header, they can find it there too. Or find it on YouTube, YouTube or iTunes, not YouTunes. <laughs> iTunes. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> yeah. Wherever you listen to a podcast, I'm pretty much there. Yeah. Gotcha. gotcha. Just like you. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any parting words for our listeners and viewers? Um, Just look up. If everything around you seems to be a little crazy or you don't know which direction to go, I always just encourage people to look up because like one of my favorite scripture verses, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to us. And and with that comes wisdom, guidance. It's not necessarily monetary things. It's just our next right step. So that's it. Perfect. Well, Terry, thank you very much for taking some of your time to invest in me and invest in our audience here because it has made a difference. And so I'm just, I'm grateful for our time together today. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you having me. I love what you're doing. So thank you. Thanks, Terry. Appreciate it. And thanks to all of you for tuning in today. I'm grateful for all of you because as Terry said before, you have invested your most precious resource and that's your time. I know you can't get it back and it means the world to me that you did. So thanks yeah. very much for being here today. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye everybody. Thanks for listening to Relationships and Revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on the show. Two ways you can do that are to give us a rate and review and or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Hewlett. Thanks again for listening. And remember, passion gets you started. Purpose keeps you going. Have a great day and we'll see you next time. Bye.